three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to another off-season episode of the Texas Private School Podcast. As always, I'm one-third of your hosting crew, Wes Tolleson, joining you from the rose capital of the world, Tyler, Texas. My fellow co-hosts, Walker Lott and Ryan Schroeder, join me from College Station and Frisco, respectively, I'm assuming. Is that yes. correct from both yes. of you? Perfect. Absolutely. Walker, College Station, a lot, of, a lot of heat going around the city right now. How's it been down there? Yeah, what's crazy is, you know, I went back home for a little bit in the summer, then it rained down here for like a day. And then I left Fort Worth and it rained up Fort Worth like a day. So I'm just missing the rain and I'm just getting all the heat this summer, man. It's ridiculous. Well, I mean, I guess you're just missing added humidity, humidity if you want to look at it on the bright side. Very true. Very true. Ryan, Frisco, how's it treating you? Yeah, back in Texas. Good to be back here. Uh, you know, don't get to spend a lot of time here during the fall and stuff like that. So trying to soak up family time, you know, right. Uh, get us a uh, summer season and trying to stay uh, inside and chill out from all this heat, man. It's getting a little hot this summer. Dude, you're not wrong. And speaking about the close of summer and the nearing of fall today that we're recording is actually Monday, August the 1st, which means camp starts today. All the players reported for two days today. So we're just we're getting that much closer to having Friday night football here back in Texas. And we are excited for it. So just to transition into what we're going to be talking about today on this episode, we are going to be previewing Division two in TAPS which consists of four different districts with a plethora of different teams and a lot of talking points from all of us. So, Walker, I'll turn to you first. Just a general overview, Division Two. There's a lot of chaos kind of going on, for lack of a better term, this season. Oh, yeah. You have a bunch of D1 teams drop down. The the runner-up in Division One, Midland Christian, has dropped down into D1, which I don't know if that has ever happened before. But just some general thoughts on the state of the division as we head into the season. I mean, I think it's a it's a lot of like the like you know like I think we said in the past episodes the other the other divisions kind of like you can kind of result of who's gonna win it. This one's the this is the interesting one. We don't really know, and it's gonna be a lot of turn twists and turns. Who's gonna show out? Who's gonna like surprise a lot of people? And who's gonna not live up to expectations? It's a lot of like what ifs in this division. It's gonna be really interesting to watch. You have, like you said, you have people moving down. You have people, I think, maybe going in. And it's going to be a lot of just interesting, like, how do people situate with this new district? So, and a lot of teams have to fight face teams they haven't really faced before in a while. No, without a doubt. And there's also, there's a lot of inter-division and inter-district transfers going on from last season to this season. A lot of the kids that played in the same district as other teams are now transferring to a different team in that district. We'll get into that more once we start covering the actual team, but a lot of a lot of craziness is just kind of happening here in the division. Ryan, I'll pose to you the same question. Division 2 is kind of just the wild west as of now heading into the 2022 season. What are your general thoughts on how teams stand heading into it? Yeah, you got some divisions that you feel like are really stacked, right? And you got some divi- or some districts that you feel like are really stacked, and you have some districts that you feel like, you know, may not have as much uh, uh, star power this year and stuff like that. So we got a mix of both, um, and I honestly think that we're running into just another year of Division Two, where Division Two is always going to be one of the biggest 
divisions by number of teams and just how everything plays out. Um, you always have different mix-ups with things, how they go. Uh, I feel like every year, we, you know, we think certain teams are going to come out of Division Two that don't. Division Two has always been the most unpredictable uh, division, it seemed like, because you felt like there were so many different options versus feels like some of this year where we don't have all that uh, – uh, difference in who we think is going to just division two might be the division that we feel like has the most diversity and who can win this year. Yeah, no, it's a very, very deep division. I don't think it's a superficial type league. I think the depth of teams that are quality go down very, very far, but let's waste no time and jump right into it. We're going to start by looking at division two district one, which consists of Southwest Christian, Midland Christian, Liberty Christian, Argyle, Fort Worth Christian, and all saints Episcopal. No, not all saints, Tyler, all saints, Dallas. So just getting into it. Um, you know, I'm going to go ahead and give my, at least my individual ranking for what I think D1 is going to turn out, or yeah, District 1 is going to turn out. Y'all feel free to jump in and correct me. But the way I see this district turning out, and to to just start this off, I think after number one, you can almost interchange two through five. That's how crazy this district might be. But I think All Saints is going to win the district. I think Southwest Christian Walkers alum is going to come in second. I think Midland Christian is going to come in third, Fort Worth Christian is going to come in fourth, and Liberty Christian is going to come in fifth. And then keep in mind the top three teams out of District 1 make the playoffs. So, Walker, this uh, this district contains your alma mater. So just go ahead, and you have my rankings right in front of you. What do you, what do you think about, about what I listed out there? They're, they're pretty good, but, but I'm going to change one thing. And I'm gonna put fourth Christian in that third spot and drop Midland down. Ooh, I think, you know, like we saw last year, right? They kind of slowed start, got some injuries, but when they connect and they work together, the team's really, really tough. So I think they might start off slow, but in district, they're gonna surprise maybe one or two teams, and I think they're gonna hop into that third spot. You know, that's funny because the one thing that I was on the fence about was maybe switching Fort Worth Christian and Liberty Argyle four and five, wow. swapping that. But yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. District one is really, really tough. That is that dude, how crazy would that be if Midland was the runner up in Divi all of division one last year and they don't even make the playoffs in yeah. D two? I I don't see that happening. It could happen. And if your predictions reign true, it will. And Ryan, that, you have go on. I, I want no. I want to let Ryan do his thing, and then we can discuss like all of it because it's. I have some thoughts about maybe even Argyle upsetting some people. But Ryan, I would love to hear your thing. So I think right here, you know, you go down to it. I think All Saints is definitely the number one. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, I, I remember a couple episodes or back or whatever where we're kind of like previewing this upcoming year and we're talking about stuff, and I was saying how I thought, you know, I really thought you know, uh, Fort Worth, uh, Southwest Christian was solid team. Right. And that, that was before they got Christian Wells. Right. Like that was before that was the transfer. And now with Christian Wells, I feel like they can even turn into a team that's like solidified that number two. So I have all saints in Southwest, but I, I, I do kind of like Midland in that third spot. And I think I wish is you're right. Uh, Walker with this, I, I think, or sorry, not Ar uh, West. I think you're right with this. Is Ar Argyle maybe upsetting Fort Worth Christian for that 
uh, fourth and fifth spot. I think Argyle uh, poses a threat that maybe Fort Worth Christian can't uh, combat with. It's just, it's a question, and I literally had this in the in the show notes. It's Fort Worth Christian, boom or bust. I just, they always have the talent. It is what do they do with it? I just, you never know if they're going to come out as a cohesive unit. And I think they have a good chance to this year, but I'm, I've, I've tried to predict that game before, and no matter what side I predict it on, I'm wrong. So I'm going to shut up and not even try to predict it this year. But again, they've been, I mean, if we look at the, if we look at years past, they've been pretty dormant since 2018. Like they haven't made a lot of noise since that 2018 season where I think they went, I think they were state runners up. If not, they went like three rounds deep, something like that. I mean, but, they, wanted, I mean they wanted our freshman year West too. Oh, they did. Yeah. So then that would have been 20. 2015. Yeah. Yeah. So they, again, they, they are a traditional powerhouse in D2. It's just a matter of they have the talent. We saw that at seven on seven. We see it every year. Can they put it together? And I'm going to stop saying that because I think I say this like every other episode about Fort Worth Christian, but it'll be interesting. But Walker, you had some more talking points you wanted to go through on D1. I would love to hear them. So yeah, we get, let's talk about Fort Worth Christian for a second, right? This might be like, Hogan Elson's at 25, yes. But when you lose Luke Anderson and when you lose Jacob Trimble and you lose yeah. Jordan Green and, you know, others like Alex Harrelson and stuff like that, but when you lose those three, that's that's those building blocks you've built up, that's a whole new, like, revamp of, like, trying to bring guy, new guys up. So if it's any year for them to kind of be like, hey, you know, last year we went four and eight, like – this is the time like to put everything together. It has to be this year. You have a good quarterback in Hogan Nelson. You got two value, like three options in Anderson, Trimble and green and defensive side of the ball. You have Luke Anderson going to do everything. You know, you have other guys, Bryce Bradley, you have to put it together this year. You have to, or it's going to turn into once a contender now into all right, let's truly rebuild this team because that's what you're going to have to do if this doesn't work this year, you know? Ryan, Fort Worth Christian, contender or pretender? So I think with the loss of Trevor Andrews, loss of Grady uh, Gann, uh, I think you get the idea that they're losing guys by the year, right? Just like you said, Walker, they're losing guys by the year. This upcoming year, they're going to lose Luke Anderson and Jacob Tremble. They're going to be gone. You're running out of guys. You know, last year was the year you were supposed to do. I, last year, you had almost a stacked lineup full of guys, in my opinion. But you go down the list now, and you're you're almost running out of guys. Like Walker said, this is the year to do it. This has to be the year to do it. Uh, you know, you'll have Hogan, Nelson, but who's to say Hogan's not going to jump ship after this year, too? I know. You, you never know about that at that point. And I think they also have experience too. Like those are three seniors with Anderson, Trimble and green, like you're saying, Ryan, that it has to be this year because they've done it and they have to be leading their team around them and be like, Hey, we've been in these games. We've done the district like right. schedule. And Hogan at least has another year under his belt, learning from Trevor Andrews last year, playing a couple games earlier in the season. You got to put it together this year. You have to. 100%. You do. It's just a matter of will it happen. We will see that soon enough. We are not very far from the start of the season. However, I think another big question is how are these Division One teams going to fare in a new and not much easier world 
I think All Saints will probably be fine. All Saints is going to be really good, in my opinion. Now you never know for sure, but you look at you they're look at what's going too. on in seven on seven. They are they no they they are deep. I mean, they're a tremendous team. I do think SCS is really good, but I think All Saints is head and shoulders the best team in this division. And then you have on the opposite side of the coin Liberty Argyle, which. I don't like putting them at five at all, but that's how competitive this district is. I really, I really, really like Jacob Vaughn and Quentin Brown for them. I think Jacob, I think Jacob Vaughn has the potential to be a, a good Division One quarterback. It's just there's so much uncertainty, and they were just so just they struggled so much last year in D one, and this district is going to be really, really difficult. So Walker, we've got two uh, Division one teams that transferred down looking at very, very different situations. How do you think that's going to play out here in 2022? I mean, I think Jacob Vaughn will be let's talking about Argyle Liberty for a second. I think Jacob Vaughn will be the best quarterback in that division or district, sorry. Wow. So I mean, I think so at least. So, who else does he have? Brady Januszczyk looks like a really good talent, the 25 athlete. Quinn Brown looks really good. You know, Reeves Baller looks really good too. So they have a couple guys. You know, we saw, uh, I want to say Trey Turner, the DB, was one that really stood out to me at 7-on-7. Seven seven. We talked about a lot of guys in that episode. Go, so go watch it if you want to. Hint, hint, go watch. <laughs> but um, the thing about it is, if you win in the trenches – as fo- everyone in football knows, if you win in the trenches, you can have success a lot of time. That's the question mark, right? Who's protecting Jacob Vaughn? Do they have guys that protect Jacob Vaughn? Can they have a rush? Can they stop like a Southwest Christian rush attack without a good offensive line and Antoine Polk? That's the question too. Can they stop the receivers of Fourth Christian? And just can you stop, like hold on to all saints? You know, those are the questions they have. In the trenches, what can they do? They have the skill guys. What else can they have? I think they can shock some people if they put some stuff together. But, I mean, it's a very unproven team led by a really experienced quarterback. So it's going to be interesting to see. What I was going to say about that is All Saints is the team that has those linemen. All Saints has those linemen, and they've proved to have those linemen. And with this upcoming year, with all the star power they're going to have, plus the quality that they're going to have in the trenches, are you telling me that they're not going to finish number one in this district? I mean, come on. I think they're the most balanced team in I want to say I want to say all of division 2 but you have to think about it. The v- DBs they have Javon Williams, they have uh DJ Johnson, defensive line Robert Sanders, uh sorry, Keller Patterson uh and others. That's a really good tandem right there. Receivers you have a Texas Tech commit and Chris Powell Freeman. Gavin Prelowitz will be a tight end. Charlie Johnson and Bennett O'Malley will be the two big guys. And Cole Eldridge, forgot about him, the 24 guy, leading the offensive line, who all have experience. Charlie Charlie has been playing on a varsity offensive line four years straight now, since Salas Christian and now the three years at All Saints. And Calvin Shumley, if you haven't seen this man, mullet ripped is a – just looks like a linebacker. Um but yeah, Calvin Chumley is a guy I'm very interested to wa- interested to watch because last year we did our uh, top linebackers and he was I think one of the guys nominated or right outside and I think this year's senior year is going to be really really good for him and he's just he's a guy like he's just a baller man he's just a definition of a baller and I'm really excited to watch him. Um, but yeah, the question is going to be quarterback 
but I believe they got a kid from the Fort Worth Brewer quarterback transferred over Jalen Spriggs. So I believe he will be the man, the 23 quarterback. Um, because that was a question last year, Wes. Remember when Parker Clark went down, they had to, right. I believe they went to Javon Williams at quarterback. And Javon did a good job, won games, but, you know, having a guy that's not a true quarterback can only do you so much, you know? So having Jalen Spriggs in there is going to even help them even more. But, uh, yeah, all Saints, all Saints is top to bottom. Very, very good. Yeah, I think regardless of – even you mentioned a ton of great skill guys. Even if they didn't have those, their lines are so solid on both ends. I think you have room for error regardless. Like, I do think – that they win this district comfortably. Now, I think they have the potential to get upset by someone in this district just because all the other teams are so good. I just think that they, talent-wise, blow everyone out of the water at this point. Walker, something I wanted to bring up, SES, I mean, I we had them in our top 10 overall private schools in our rankings. Something I want to talk about, a kid I haven't heard a whole lot about, is 24 Maddox McCarroll taking the reins at quarterback for your alma mater. What do you know about Maddox McCarroll, and how do you think he will fit into the gunslinger position for the Eagles? So last year he played the outside linebacker position really well for them and was a really good player And what was I remember when I went and watched him against, oh, I forgot who it was, literally hit sticked with this one dude, made the fumble and caught it. Like the kids. DC? Uh, no, 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 no. It was I in Faith, maybe? Might have been maybe. Faith. Gravon. But not the point. Uh, really good player. So, you know, we thought Christian Wells was going to be the guy kind of be a center, be Tyson Flowers. He'll be the Tyson Flowers maybe on the defensive side of the ball, but Maddox will be taking over the job that Tyson did on the offensive side of the ball. He'll be the quarterback for them. And I think they're going to open up the passing game a little bit. I think they realized when you went like games like DC, when you had, when a drive like yours is smash mouth football and it's like six minute drives. When you, when you're down a score or two, you can't just run the ball for six minutes and win that game. You have to score quickly. And I think with Christian Wells being as great of an athlete, there are, he is, they're going to have to pass the ball with him. You know, so I think yeah. Maddox will take over the quarterback position, give him the ball, give a couple of other guys the ball. But the triple, the uh, what is it? The wing T is going to be the wing T, and you're laying on the defensive uh, offensive line with John Talbot, D1 author John Talbot, Mayor Dorman Pardue, which honestly I think had a better season last year than him, who is a very good offensive lineman. Go watch this tape; it's fun to watch, and then the at, more of a defensive side of player, but J.R. Siegel will play some offensive line for them, who is one to watch and will be a D1 offered man by the end of his senior year. Absolutely. is a beast in the middle, and it's just a great, great defensive lineman. But you have some other guys. I really like the two running backs, of course. Antoine Polk, monster last year. I believe, was it like 1,700-yard rusher, 27 yeah. touchdowns, really, really good. Joseph Zyman, really, really good. Graham Holster, I really like. Hayden Bryan was a really Mr. Do-It-All. Has a boo. That man can kick a football, by the way. He's a great kicker, one to watch. Any like special teams coaches that are watching this in college, go look at take, take a look at him. Other guys, Blaine Blakely was a guy who's going to be more of a DB for them, but it's really, really good. Um, trying to think of anyone else. I'm just shouting out my guys, as you know. Uh, Sebastian Hewitt was really good on the offensive line. Uh, Carter Dimsdale, Ben Briscoe. They got dudes, and I think they're going to – you can't replace Tyson Flowers, uh, Drew Baduris, uh, 
stuff like that. Mark Simons, those guys are going to be hard to replace, but a lot, they still got talent. They still got a lot of guys. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how they do. Because I think, like you said, Wes, a second ago, I think you any team could upset anyone in this district. It's this is the most balanced district in probably all of Taps, where it's going to be very fun to watch every single game. Yeah, you could tell me that Liberty Christian upsets All Saints, and I'd be like, I mean, yeah, I could see it happening. Like it's it's crazy just the upset potential and the absolute flames that district can go up or can uh can turn out to when we get to playoff time. But, Ryan, you've been silent for a second, so let's actually move into District 2. We're both going to have some more to talk about as both of our alma maters are contained inside of it. TAPS Division 2, District 2 will send three teams to the playoffs, and it contains Grace Community, Legacy Christian, Coram Deo, Bishop Dunn, and Grapevine Faith. And just like I did District 1, I will rank them, at least the West Holliston rankings. These are not the official Texas Private School podcast rankings. We'll figure that out sometime later, I'm sure. But the way I see District 2 shaking out with sending three teams to the playoffs, I see Grapevine Faith coming in first. I see Bishop Dunn coming in second. I think there's a large drop-off after these two teams. Dunn still confuses me a little bit. I'm sh- I think they're going to be better, but I'll get into analysis later. So Faith 1, Dunn 2. <sighs> Completely unbiased, I think Grace Community is going to take the third spot and make the playoffs. And I think Legacy is going to come in at fourth, and Quorum Deo is going to come in at fifth. I can't the, – the funny thing is I've probably, like – been worse and more down on grace than almost anyone the past couple years but i have seen i've seen a resurgence there i'll get into it later but those are my initial rankings ryan i'm very curious to see your your rankings of district two so so list them out for us now yeah i'm pretty similar uh i got faith and done i have that drop off as well um and then i have legacy at third and then I have Grace and Quorum Deo. So kind of just that flip-flop at that third and fourth spot. Uh, however, I will say this. Uh, Legacy's on the comeback, I, I feel like. Legacy is on the way up. Um, the coaching change that was made was uh, a swap out for uh, Coach Smith for um, now Coach Trotter. And Coach Trotter brought in some new guys. They basically uh, almost, I think, wiped that uh, – um, coaching lineup there and now they have a whole new setup but what i like to see out of trotter and in some of those other coaches pete coach cole pv uh I, I hope they can turn these guys into something i know trotter's bringing his own son to play quarterback so you know him or trace harris is going to come back and play after his injury um crazy injury this past season for uh trace harris but we'll see what happens to turn out for them I've heard talks about them getting a wide receiver, uh, you know, maybe coming in this year, a new wide receiver coming in from public school. So, you know, we'll see something, how it works out. Uh, the kid's going to be a little bit shorter of a wide receiver. I think I'm more like a 5'10", 5'11", wide receiver, if not even a little shorter than that. Um, I said 5'10", 5'11". He's not 5'10", 5'11". He's like 5'7", 5'8". But a little bit shorter of a guy. Um and yeah, I'm not trying to say five ten, five eleven short. By the way, not wow, you, just, to... you just called out. You just called out half the population. Yeah, I was like, I'm so sorry, y'all. But uh, 
No, definitely. They're they're going to be on the up this year, though. I, that's what I say. Are we? We're a pretty tall t- podcast, aren't we? We're, we we so. are. I was about to say I don't enjoy going places with y'all because I'm six foot right on the nose and I look short standing by both of y'all, and it really, really upsets me. Tall podcast right here. There you yeah, you're a tall podcast. I'll take it. Very tall. But podcast. to to your point about Trace Harris, I was talking with Coach Trotter on Instagram. Um, the other day, and he said, he said, yeah, one story is that Trace Harris broke his no, uh, broke his neck midseason. They thought he was done with football, and then they said he was miraculously healed and uh, cleared to play. So I guess he's cleared for camp, or at least if not that, then the first game. So that's a, that's a big game for, for y'all. No, definitely. He's been the one since I remember middle school where I was, like, announcing in the press box, and I was like, I was like, this kid's insane. I was like, well, we need to get this guy on varsity already, but – yeah, it'll be good to see what he does in his senior year. So many injuries throughout high school has just, like, hurt him for so long. So it'll be good to see him get a full season in, hopefully. Well, speaking of guys we've been watching since middle school, there is a kid for grace that I distinctly remember when I was a senior. I played wide receiver in DB. This kid was in middle school and played wide receiver in DB, and he was in eighth grade. And I distinctly remember my coach looking at me when we were watching a middle school game. He's like, you're really lucky that kid's in eighth grade because if he was in high school, I would immediately replace you with him. And I was like, thanks, coach. But that kid is a, his class of 23 senior, Reed Alexander, for Grace Community. I mean, the kid's, the kid's really good. He panned out, and he's a heck of a player. He went to White House for a couple years, but he transferred back into Grace. I watched him a little bit in seven on seven. He is a tremendous athlete for Grace. He just picked up an offer from, I forgot the name of the school, but I think he is an incredibly underrated player in this division, and I think he's ready to make a lot of noise for Grace. Make he's just a – do what? He went, He offered by McMurray. Continue. By McMurray. Yeah, no. And if you go look at this, Walker, look at his tape right now. I mean, the, he's, the stuff he did against last year, I mean, he's doing it against 5A public schools. I mean, he's a he's a tremendous athlete. And I think he's got a lot of potential. He'll line up and take snaps at quarterback as well, I think. So I, I don't know. I mean, this is why I'm saying I think Grace is actually getting some athletes back in their program. I'm very excited to see how that turns out. Class of 23, Nick Stewart is going to be very good as well. Another wide receiver, DB. Class of 23 offensive lineman, Caleb Wilson, I think is one of the more underrated offensive linemen in the state, as well as wide receiver, DB, Caden Lynch, and senior running back, Jamarion Johnson. So I think Grace is actually going to have a squad this year, and I think they can compete for a playoff spot in District 2. And a District 2 that's not as stacked as it has been in previous years, and it looks completely different. I mean, back in my day, uh, God, I sound old. Wow. It was, wow. <laughs> it was, it was literally, I mean, our division was just all the Tyler schools plus DC. It was Grace, Gorman, All Saints, Brook Hill, Dallas Christian. And now Grace is the lone surviving division or yeah, division two private school. So to that point, I also want to say Grace has to do well now. They are the last representative in Division II for East Texas. They are the last big private school in East Texas, and we cannot get bullied by Dallas. I mean, we have to survive and not not crumble. So that's just kind of my soapbox. Walker, looking at Division II as a whole, what are your your quick thoughts? And there's a lot to dissect here. Hashtag Beast Texas, by the way. You're welcome. Beast Texas. (laughs) You're welcome. Anyways, I just watched Reed Alexander's tape. Very, very good. I like it. Mm -hmm. I like their player. But yeah, I mean, it's the, the, you know, you have the top dog, the grapevine faith that I don't know how they would have done in district one, but in district two, they'll probably be the top dog. The question is now who are the other people And the wild card is Bishop, uh, Bishop Dunn. 
two years ago, or what, in class of 19, they were the state championships in TAPS D1. Now, two, three years go by, they were the bottom of D2. Now, a couple years go by, what are they now? And that's the question we'll see this year, is a lot of the younger guys that they've had are going up and are, you know, improving. And that's the, that's the big question is, how are these young guys going to do? Jeremiah Horn is the 23 running back who is probably the big guy of that team, and he'll get the ball a lot. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they use him. Gary Cook is a defensive lineman. I know me and you, Wes, remember when we were watching film and we were like, holy Nasty. cow, this kid, this kid can play. And But, like, a lot, they have a lot of the guys, Jesse Lara, Paul Geary, um, one 2025 guy that is going to be pretty good down the line, Juan Million Aguilar. That's going to be a really good guy uh, in the 25 class in the state, and he'll be very, very good. That's the, that's the interesting question. Is Bishop done, as we always say with Texas, but is never true? Are they back? That is the question. Um, sorry, Texas fans. It's just, it's just, it's just so we gotta, true. We got to throw one in like every five episodes. So true. Anyways, uh, but yeah, is Bishop Dunn going to be back to being the traditional powerhouse they are? Or is, there, or is the trajectory that way? And I think it is. And I think this team will be really surprised a lot of people this year. And if they can make it in the, the, the playoffs and maybe surprise with some of those South schools, it'll be fun to watch, man. It'll be really do. But the question is, right, how does Grapevine Faith look? Grapevine Faith is the top dog. And, I mean, one of the biggest just news in private school is John Raybuck going to Grapevine Faith. That is That's a, huge. Huge. And I remember watching Clayton's – yeah, we watched Grapevine Faith against – uh SES last year. So I know a little bit about the team, not much. But Chase Cross, I think, is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the state. He was dicing up SES last year in, in season, man. He was very, very impressive. I remember he went down and led them on a last like last second before the halftime, just dominant drive. And I was just like, this kid can throw the ball, man. Very, very impressed. But I was also really impressed with Clayton Sebecki, the 24 athlete, and he will be like he was their like pretty much their running back last year, but now you have John Raybuck, you have Jaden Norris, you have three good running back like just threats. That will be very very fun to watch. Grady Norman, offensive lineman, is really good. Parker Barley is going to surprise a lot of people. This team is going to be really really good in that second district. But how do they like when they move over to playing playoffs? How are they going to expect and how are they going to result and all that? That's going to be very big. But I think with Chase Cross, Jaden Norris, John Raybuck, and Clayton Sebecki, you have a rushing and passing attack that is very scary for a lot of teams to face. Yeah, no, I agree. Now, I will say, going back to Dunn, I will say what I said before we even started recording. I think this Dunn is closer to the Dunn of old than they are to the bottom of the barrel. I don't think they're anything close to the Dunn of old, because I don't know how anyone in Taps could really be that close to that except like Parrish. But I do think, I do think they are a lot more talented than they were and they have a lot more potential looking at it. However, yeah, yeah, Raybuck's transfer from Coram Deo to Faith is is massive. That just sends shockwaves throughout all of Division Two. But speaking of Coram Deo, I want to ask, do you think they can pick off and snag a win versus Grace or Legacy? I'm going to go ahead and say they're probably not going to beat Faith and Dunn. But, Walker, I'll look at you first. I mean, do you think they can snag a win against Grace or Legacy? Um, Maybe. 
I yeah. think I mean it's you losing losing John Raybook is a huge huge deal, and there's no way to sugarcoat it. Besides, it stings, man. It, it really does. Um, you re- you re- you bring back Brock Holton, who's a really good athlete and good, going to be a really good player for them on both sides of the ball. Luke Noon is a quarterback who surprises me, and I think he's going to be a very he's going to be an under the radar guy, and I could see a D three school picking him up if he chooses that route. I think he could be a really good quarterback for a college. But uh, Sam Johnson comes in from Saginaw with his his dad. He's going to be the new head coach. That's going to be the question. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see. And you also lose Sam Girth, who is, I know, big baseball guy, but he's not playing this year. And that's just another weapon loss from this team that didn't really succeed last year. So maybe they can with not D.C. in that district. But I don't know, man. It's 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 a big. That's did they move districts? By the way, they did, right? Dude, they, everything in D two is so is so scrambled they, now. I can't even tell what it they was. Moved, right? They were with us in right. uh, in the last one, I think. So or no, they were with us too. No, they were with y'all because they were yeah. McKinney Christian oh, yeah, and all that. Yeah, y'all were in our district. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. McKinney that old Christian. district was like DC McKinney Grace yes. uh, Dunn. Coram Deo, yeah. Yes. Anyways, but yeah, maybe we'll see. I think Coram Deo has some leaders. I think Luke Newton and Brock Holden will be the guys to like will lead the team. We'll see about the rest and see. Hey, maybe a guy or two surprises us this year. I yeah, I think, I can go on. So I'll say about what I think about Coram Deo is that first game against Covenant Christian will be the real test. You know, obviously it's gonna be a hard game to face, but no Christian Wells there anymore. So I think it's a good matchup for them and a Green Hill matchup for week two. If they can, if they can get a win there, if they if they don't get a win there, I don't think they win. Like basically, I don't know. I don't know where they pick up a win. I'm looking at their schedule. St. Mark's is on here. Grace Prep, John Paul. Like those are their other games besides district. I, I don't know where you pick up a win in in your lineup, Cormdale. They they kind of have a hard schedule to be honest with you. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if they're going to pick up a win district. If it was to come to anybody, all right, it's going to be Grace or Legacy, and they're going to pick them off. Um, you know, but the, both of those games are away games too. By the way, just to let y'all know, Grace and Legacy are both away games for uh, Gormdale. That's rough, man. Dude, Clyde Perkins gets rocking. I'm telling you, it's a hard, it's a hard place. To <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm acting like this is like a uh, Kyle Field right now, but uh, it's not the same environment. I mean, it's still it's still significant no, yeah, to have to travel. Yeah, away away games are always a different different animal. You know, you don't get the rest, you don't get the chilling, you have to drive. You know, all that. Yeah, it's the, yeah, but it'll that that district will be it'll be interesting. Like I said, I think there's a pretty there's at least a decent drop off after Faith and Dunn, and I think three four. I think it's pretty set. Three and four can change, but I think one, two, and five are most likely set for sure. And it's just a matter of who's going to get that last playoff spot with Grace and Legacy. Speaking of, Ryan, we are going to need to think of a bet for that Grace Legacy district game. I'm sure we'll, we'll come up with something decent, but, uh, but that's going to be a big game. So I think because I think that will determine that last playoff spot. So you have any ideas at the top of your head? I don't, but I was going to say I lost my rivalry with Walker now at this point. Me and Walker have lost our rivalry, and I'm joining you now, Wes, to have a little rivalry with you. So – well, I mean, you're 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 dumping. Uh, you're kind of 
throwing off the chaff and, and getting the wheat, I think you're you're picking up a more quality team in Grace as opposed to Southwest. Oh, yeah. Oh, I see how it is. So um, we're just going to ignore the record from the past two years as I make that statement. Hey, they're both, playoff, anyways, they're both hey, playoff teams. That is true. Anyways, last time we played y'all, Wes, I think we beat you senseless in the first round. Anyways. Okay, that was – nothing counts. Nothing after I left high school counts. That's that's the way I look at this. I mean, <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Liberty – or Legacy beat us my senior year, and I still am not over that. So, um, I would be angry. Oh, also, we're actually, Walker, you're going to decide the bet for, for me and Ryan. I think that oh, would be more fair. fair. Hey, that's if fair. there's any uh, All Saints guys that listen to the pod or Fourth Christian guys listen to the pod, let's make some bets. I guess if I, if if Ryan's leaving me, whoa, I have to find a new whoa, one. Whoa, I have betting, to find a new one. Betting on private school sports? Uh uh uh. Greg Tepper says no. Whatever. Anyways. West Halton says yes. Anyways, but Walker, you will have to. You will have to to make a bet for me and Ryan to fulfill once that game comes because you're the only neutral party here. Sounds like a plan. All right. So with that all being said, we're now going to move into the Southern District, starting with District 3. Five teams out of this district will make the playoffs. So this district consists of Austin Regents, Brownsville St. Joseph, TMI, St. Michael's Christian Academy, Victoria St. Joseph, Hyde Park, St. Anthony, and San Antonio Christian School. So the way that I have District 3 ranked with the Trademarked West Tolleson, Texas Private School Podcast rankings. I have St. Michael's Christian Academy winning it in first, Regents coming in second, TMI coming in third, Brownsville St. Joseph's coming in fourth, with Victoria St. Joseph's coming in fifth. Those are the five teams I think will make the playoffs. San Antonio Christian coming in sixth, Hyde Park coming in seventh, and St. Anthony coming in eighth. Walker, that's how I have the eight teams out of District 3 shaping up. What do you think about the tentative rankings I have on the board? I'll agree with you. I think that's yeah. the, I think that's the right way to go about it. It seems pretty standard. Ryan, you have any thoughts yeah, on the on the list? I think it's about right as well. I don't think I have anything to say about that. Yeah, no, that's what I feel like. I think the main talking point in this district is does St. Michael's have enough in the trenches to overpower regents? We know that they have they have, there's two Griffin brothers at St. Michael's, right? There's Jaw and then he has a younger brother, correct? Yeah, yeah, defensive tackle 2025, I believe. Both yeah, both both of them are very large and very talented. So they're gonna contribute. It's just St. Michael's, we've seen. They have the skilled players. They have the quarterback improver. Xander Romero, Malachi Smith are both, like, fantastic. And also, oh, Ryan, I mean, Walker, who's one of who's one of those other receivers for St. Michael's, one of the tall, lanky kids that we saw? I think he's a sophomore. Uh, is it something Jones? Jason Stokes? Jason Stokes, sorry. Not, not Jones at all. Yeah, Jason Stokes. Jason Stokes is fantastic. It's just, again, I don't like falling into the trap of watching seven on seven and determining a team's worth based on that, because it's just, it, it's not, I'm not saying it's not real football, but there's a lot more aspects that aren't included in that. So that's why I'm saying, and Walker, I'll ask you this directly. Do you think St. Michael's has enough in the trenches to overpower regions? Cause that's going to be the question out of this district. I mean, you will have the best guy in the trenches in that district in John Griffin. John Griffin, yeah. I think is a, I think he's a D1 player. I can see him as a D1 FCS defensive tackle without a doubt. Um, so because of that, I think you you can win in the trenches. You have 
Nehemiah Griffin, who will be back, has big time, just is a big unit in the middle. I really like him. You have a couple of younger guys who are going to have to step step up on the defense, defense and offensive side of the ball. But you probably have the most weapons out of any of them. Malachi Smith, Xander Romero, we talked about him last time, Wes. Dogs. Definition of a dog for oh. those two guys. Um, and you even are good in the the sec, or special teams with Sam Stone, who I think will be a really good piece. Um, I don't, by the way, so I know if anyone knows, is he the younger brother of Will Stone? There's no way, right? There's no way. Or is it's it just, crazy we don't know this by now. Is it just a coincidence that both Austin Regents and Austin St. Michaels both had a Stone brother as a kicker? Interesting. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it's a coincidence, but you really never know. We've yeah. been asking this for like eight months now. We have. We really have. But, uh, the ne- yeah, the best question is, they do – Austin Regents has some guys in uh, the offensive and defensive lines. I mean, oh, I mean, you could argue that John Griffin isn't the best defensive lineman in that in that district with Whitfield Powell, the Colorado State commit on the line. I mean, that's a big – and I really, really like him, and I think his tape is really good. So you think about that, and you're like, well, Whitfield Powell, a true power – not a, he's Mountain Mount West is Colorado State, so no, not power five. But like a true defensive one, division one talent in Whitfield Powell, you have Adrian Verdick, you have uh, what's his name, Walker Petrie. I can't forget a Walker. And then Ben Brighton. I mean, you have off. I think, I think in the trenches, maybe Regents has the edge. But I think actually for the first time in a while, I think the skill guys. I think St. Michael's has. Yeah. No. I I think they do. I mean. We'll see. That's going to be a heck of a battle when it comes down to it. Ryan, just your quick thoughts on St. Michael's versus Regents. You know, I think it's going to, like we said, we think Regents has the slight advantage in the trenches, but St. Michael's has the advantage when it comes to the skill players. What are your thoughts on that potential? I mean, just potential gigantic matchup in District 3. Yeah, I mean, it's the same matchup every year, right? It's what we feel like. It's definitely always the SMC. SMCA versus Regents battle, and it's the same battle in District Four as well between Forpin and uh, Second Baptist. Like it always seems like those four teams. We've been talking about those four teams since we even started this podcast as being just the four teams in the South that have done it. Uh, and I, I think the battle is going to live on this year again. I, I love to see what same same Michael's does this year. I think they obviously have a lot more skill guys um, around them this year, and I think Regents. Um, has to prove has to prove that they can do it again this year to pass them because you know last year, uh, you know Regents was on the on the way to get there and and you had the the whole season kind of come down the line to Second Baptist right so I'm excited to see this year whether Regents can make that run again or if they get stopped short in the playoffs again. Yeah, it will definitely be interesting. I think there's I think there's a lot that can go on from the start of the season to the end, but I have no way of predicting that right now. Like I said, I predict St. Michael's to win, but I mean it's you, think, you can flip those two very easily. I think Regents is the is young for the first time in a while. You know? And I think if any year St. Michael's can do it is this. Because you don't have a Drew Dickey at quarterback, you don't have a Wilson long at quarterback, 
And you have a really good quarterback D1 offer now from Louisville, Quinn Murphy, who looks like he'll take the reins. But, I mean, he's a 2026 that just will be coming a freshman. I mean, how like for anyone, that's going to be tough to deal with, you know? So, and he'll have growing pains, but how much will the growing pains affect Regents, you know? Um, Wilburn, the Jacob Wilburn, the defensive back is going to be really good. All State as a sophomore last year. Tyler Quo, the, the tight end, 2023. Liam Murphy, the wide receiver. They have dudes. They always do. Like I told you, Wes, when we watched them, they have a tall, like they just have guys who are like six foot and look like really good athletes. But how do they play? And that's the big question. We will see in a few weeks. TMI, that's another thing I wanted to hit on. TMI did very well in Division Five last year playing an independent schedule. How do you think, Walker, they're going to fit into this district? So we've heard they've had talent. They keep telling us they have talent. I just don't know how they're going to fit into the grand scheme of Division Two, <clears throat> District Three. I mean, they'll have the best receiver probably in that whole division in Jalen Gardner. And yeah. uh, Ryan, big, great basketball player too in Jalen Gardner. Right. Oh, that yeah, no, he was a beast. He was a beast. Right. And he's going to, like, he's truly a dual athlete, and he probably will be the best receiver in that division going to the UTSA, I believe. I want to correct that. Uh, I believe he's UTSA. Yes. Or no, he's offered by UTSA. Uh, right? Or am I? No, 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 no. UTSA right. commit. Yes, UTSA commit. Uh, so he'll be the best receiver in that division. So I think that's, I mean, you have to get him the ball, of course. And luckily, they have Grayson Donald transferring from Geneva, Geneva School, Bernie in, and will be the 2024 quarterback who looks pretty good. His tape is pretty good. Um, so they'll be good getting him the ball. Um, the question is also Armand Gardner, I guess his younger brother, the 24 athlete, he will be another key piece for that team. They have a lot of couple guys, but of course there's a lot of question marks because they played a, they were in district last year. So it's a lot of question marks, but I think just by talent and having probably the best, besides uh, Carson Kruver, probably the best player in that division, you know? I, yeah, I have to agree. I was going to say, this is a team that, like, basically just picks out every good, all the good players in the San Antonio area, and they kind of have them all come in one team. You'll see a lot of public school guys from the area go to that TMI school for anything, for any sport, especially for basketball as well. But I, I know for football, it's the exact same for track and field. Everybody loves to go to TMI in the San Antonio area, and that's how they build up such a good team for, you know, these past couple of years and all these different sports. Yeah. I mean, that was yeah. – I mean, I know Gardner came from Cornerstone, I believe. And you know how – Cornerstone was really good baseball. Had really good basketball, uh, football. I know for sure, and still has a couple guys um, this year. But uh, the, uh, some of those guys have come over from Cornerstone and other places. And this TMI team has a lot of question marks. But I'm excited to see how they perform this year. You know, apparently TMI sniped uh, San Antonio Christian's head coach. And word on the street is San Antonio Christian uh, is not very happy about that. So. <laughs> I'm assuming, I mean, they'll obviously play each other in district. I would be interested to see how that game turns out, although I think TMI will win that comfortably if we're making assumptions. Speaking about the rest of the district, is there anything else, Walker, you'd like to hit on from District 3? Because I think after SMCA regions and TMI, there is a stark drop-off in talent. I mean, all I know is I remember last year, Luigi Cristiano at Brownsville St. Joseph had a really good year, remember? He did. And, and you know, you're losing a quarterback. 
uh, who's going to be taking over. I know Luis Del Pozo was a really good receiver for them last year. Trying to just remember names and, you know, think about that. But uh, Victoria St. Joseph's had a couple of dudes. I remember last year. Uh, we'll see how they do this year. It's hard to talk about all these teams because there's 24 of them and it's hard to deep dive. But that yeah. district that district is, uh, has always been like, I you win this game and then you win this game and then maybe you lose this game. So it's always been the weird, not the top two because they're always pretty dominant, but the rest of the district always kind of battles each other. Well, as our football goes, you'll win a game, then you win a game, you probably lose uh-huh. a game. That is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, you're Let's laugh them. <laughs> Listen, man, you're, you're an encyclopedia. You're an encyclopedia on private school football. I have to take jabs where I can. I'm I'm all, all love, all love. Anyways, dude, I guess yeah. let's let's talk about the next district then. Yeah. So, Ryan, you have anything left on District Three? No, that, that sounds good to me. So, yeah, so now we move into District 4, which, again, it's kind of the same situation. I will – five teams make the playoffs. Here are the teams in the district. You have Second Baptist out of Houston, TWCA out of the Woodlands, Lutheran South Academy, Katie St. John's, Beaumont Kelly, and Fort Bend Christian Academy. So – I will, as I have the past three districts, give my rankings. Yet again, these are the West Tolleson rankings, not necessarily reflective of all of the views on the Texas Private School Podcast, although we will see very quickly if they are. Number one, <laughs> I have Fort Bend Christian Academy. Number two, Second Baptist out of Houston. Number three, Lutheran South Academy. Number four, the Woodlands Christian Academy. Number five, Beaumont Kelly. And number six, Katie St. John's. Remember, five teams out of this district to make the playoffs, so I predict everyone makes it except Katie St. John's. Walker, you got my mm-hmm. rankings on the table right there. Your thoughts on my initial six? Uh, I think you're pretty spot on. I think uh, I think that's how you should do it. Um, I have. I guess I have. I have no complaints, really. I mean, ain't no complaints. Racks in the bank. Racks. Sorry. You just you ad-libbed your own that, song. That's horrible. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> uh, listen, it's a good hey, song. Hey, speaking of Saint Migos, right? Ha <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Anyways, uh, the only one that could be interesting is the TWCA and LSA switch. I could Agreed. see T- TWCA moving up. I mean, I really like the quarterback over there, the Mr. Do-It-All. And I just, like, he's a very underrated dude, man. I know we is usually – Is that Josh Johnson? Yeah, Josh Johnson yeah. was – like, he's been in the team for a while. And, I like, he, he would go throw seven-on-seven, seven, man, and then go lock up the next guy's receiver. And just – that's how he is, man. He's just an athlete. He loves playing ball. And I'm really excited to see how they do. But the Tremendous whole leader of, for them, too. Without a doubt, for sure. But Colby Schilling, uh, some of the other guys on that team, they, they've had some good offensive linemen on that team, man. And Color Davis, Colby Schilling um, have, are going to be those guys next year. They're going to be really good. They just lose a lot, man. Sean Kane, Colby, Colby Gorman, Derek Felder, Max Abernathy, um, uh, Rorick Harkins transferred. I forgot about that. But um, I've got, I just looked at our notes and I forgot about that. But <laughs> – um, that's a big loss, by the way. Rory Harkins, a thirteen hundred yard rusher last year, but mm-hmm. or thirteen hundred yard plus, I believe. But um, yeah, I mean, they lose their their guy, but as TWCA, they can make some noise and surprise a lot of people in some games. But uh, I just had to mention them because before we go into the other guys. No, I agree, Ryan. Your thoughts on the overall layout? Do you have any arguments with my rankings? I'll say first for District Four. 
I don't. And I, I think it all comes down to the fact that whether, you know, because the second Baptist, I think this team last year, second Baptist, you know, ran on two people necessarily, Eli Smith and Everett Skillern. I feel like those two guys kind of ran this team. And when it comes down to it, those guys are gone. And they're and they're uh, off, you know, not on this roster anymore. So what I would say is if Second Baptist was to make a run, it was last year, they ran into D.C. They, could, they wouldn't have run into D.C. if they were playing this year, though. Uh, but, you know, ran into D.C. last year in the championship. It's, hard, it's a hard team to face. And overall, I think they've tried their best, but this team is not the same as last year, in my opinion. It's not the same team. And I honestly think the gap this year between Second Baptist and Fort Bend is larger than it was last year. This three-point game last year uh, between Fort Bend and Second Baptist is going to be a bigger gap this year than it was last year. And I, well, I, I think – go on. I know that's, that's, my, that's my hot take. I think almost – I think you could argue the biggest loss for Second Baptist was Coach Partle um, going to be the AD at a – at what is it, Houston, a uh, Houston Christian. I think that is a huge loss for them. I think people severely underestimate I, people outside of the Houston area, because I think everyone in Houston knows how good of a coach he was. That man, that, that man schemed perfectly to shut down FBCA last year. I mean, his schemes that he could adapt to each team that he played were, were tremendous. So I think that's a huge loss for them as well. But yeah, Walker, to your point, that's exactly what I had in the show notes. I was like, they lose Skiller and Smith, who they leaned on very, very heavily last year. So you know what that means? All eyes are on now junior quarterback Turner Murdoch. You know, that's going to be interesting to see how he plays now that he's kind of going to be placed into a pressure cooker. There's going to be a lot more spotlight on the kid than there was last year. I think he's up to the challenge. I think he's a tremendous talent, but you never quite know how people are going to react in that situation. And he's got tremendous athletes around him. J.D. Crisp is so, so good. Should be talked about even more than he is. So I think the talent is still there, even if you do lose Smith and Skillern. It's just there's a much bigger uncertainty than there was heading into last season. Ryan, so, I mean, Walker, since we're already on second Baptist, why don't you just give your quick thoughts on the whole situation down in Houston? I mean, all right, what do you lose, right? You lose Everett Skillern. That's a big loss. Eli Smith, big loss. Colin Hedges, big loss. Austin Courtney, big loss. Grayson Kim, big loss. Yeah. And some others, Reed Cordell, others. But you, that like, the guys who got you to the state championship, that's that's the that's what you're losing. You still have a couple guys who attributed to those guys helping leading you to there, right? Turner Murdoch was is gonna be one of the top quarterbacks in the state or in private school in 2024. And Houston is loaded with those guys, right? But Turner Murdoch is has all the tools and intangibles to be successful. If he if he can put it together and not worry have to like it's his team now that being frank it's his team it's not Eli's it's not Everett's it's his now and he has to make the plays this year right he has to make the right throws he has to make the right decisions and so you don't really run just QB QB rush QB left with Eli you know or run just hand the ball off right you have weapons you have JD Chris you have 
Kirsten Chambers, you know, guys like that that are going to be really uh, helpful. And two big defensive pieces in Kyle Cromongan and Hudson Toon are going to be helpful. But who else do you have? You have Grayson Gandalfo, I believe that's how you say. Uh, Grayson Gando, I'm just going to say that. I don't know how to say his last name, but because that's his Twitter handle, Grayson Gando. (laughs) So Turner has some pieces to throw to. I just don't know if they're as top to bottom depth wise good enough to face a team and be a team like we're about to talk about. Yeah, we'll see. Actually, I'm going to make a quick divergent here. Hopefully this doesn't turn into a rant because everything I do ends up turning into a rant one way or another. We've got to talk about something and I posted something from the podcast account today about it. So this is the second time I've seen this today. Um, I just saw it because Carson Kruger just posted it. Teams doing uh, teams doing midnight practices on August 1st, like 12 a.m. The clock hits. They start practice. They practice from like 12 a.m. It says St. Michael's practice from 12 a.m. to 5 a.m. What are our thoughts on that? I'm very, very curious to see what y'all say. Starting practice at 12 in the morning and then going like, is it a is it hype? Is it great or is it terrible? Did you did you ever do it? I did not. Brook Hill is the only team I knew of doing it until I saw Kruger post it with St. Michael's. We I did think, it. We did it my senior year. I think. Lake how, how was it? I mean, it was fun. It was not was not as hot. So I, I think it was really cool. I mean, how was how was recover? Hang on, I gotta I gotta ask Walker. How was recovering from that? I don't remember, man. This was a long time ago. But yeah. Uh, I mean, it it was fine. It was it was interesting. It was cool. Like we literally were in our lines, and right when it hit, like all right, let's go to practice. And you know, literally just did the regular drills. You know, as you start two a days, you know that type of thing. I mean, there's not much to it. But uh, did you sleep going into that day? Do you like sleep the whole day going into? Yeah, that how does that? I don't. I think guess I not. Saw, I think you just did a normal day and just didn't go to sleep, and then just practice at midnight. But then, do you have practice the next afternoon? Yeah. So you just see how, that's how, just so how many hours did you put in that day? Okay. Well yeah. the more the morning you don't practice or anything because that's not allowed. Well, yeah. You don't practice that morning. No, but, but you, you practice for five hours, you just said, and then you Oh practice. no 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 no. I, we didn't practice till five AM. That's what Kruger said. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I don't know how that works. We probably got out at like two and went home. I mean oh, okay. Gotcha. So I guess you, I guess you go back and you sleep until like until like ten, and then you you practice that afternoon, and then you you're actually in a circadian rhythm. I don't know how. No, I, I mean probably how it was. I don't remember. I, I should text flowers and ask. But now, see, um, my my opinion on it is it's all my opinion is always that it's dumb. I just think just from a sleep standpoint, I think it's crazy. However, there's another part of me that thinks it is kind of hype to be like you're in line, you're waiting, the clock hits midnight, you're out there. I just think practically now as an old 21-year-old man speaking, I'm like, how do you sleep? Well, did you see uh, – if we're going to talk about this for a second. Did you see uh, – I think it's – I uh, let me let me find it. Uh, I think Tepper tweeted it. But oh, my gosh. Someone – they brought out the band for their midnight practice. No. Uh, Plainview, America. Plainview, Texas. <laughs> If you ever, if anyone wants to go look up Steven Garcia uh, on Twitter, uh, tweeted it. Oh, I see it. They have brought the band out to run them out to midnight practice. If that's not an example of Texas high school football, I don't, I, I have no idea what to say to you, man. I don't think, I mean, don't. 
somehow we're gonna get copyrighted for that. But anyways, I mean, I don't know if you needed to bring a band out there. It's practice. No, that is no. That's see, that's where I differ. I say if you're gonna do it, Dad Gummit, go all the way. Do bring the cheerleaders out, bring bands out there. I want everyone out there at midnight when the clock hits. The thing about it is, right? Because you'll just see them do drills, and then at the end of it, they're just gonna be running, right? Because that's how you start the year off. You just do your conditioning at the end of the day. So, like, they're just going to – you have the band out there. You have everyone for midnight conditioning running suicides. Like – No, no. I say I say you go out there and you scrimmage at midnight. You run a full ones-on-two scrimmage <laughs> at midnight. You have fans out there. You have cheerleaders out there. The band's out there. KLTV7 is out there with the video cameras. I want this thing going all the way. It, it, see, Prove it your worth. A Prove your worth. <laughs> You have what it takes to be on the team. Prove your worth right here. No practicing. You just go play football. That's what you it's want. Some, it's some 220-pound lineman is just like out of his mind. It goes yeah. and cracks a 130-pound freshman. <laughs> that would be that would be amazing. Where did yeah. how did we how did we go this far into this? Start the band. We <laughs> just got a touchdown. Let's go. Da, 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 da. Okay. Wait, I'm going to now go question. on. What was y'all's fight song? Did y'all have a fight song that was in college? Ours was Texas Tech. You know what's crazy is the first thing that comes to mind, I almost said Brooke Hill's fight song because I remember it so much better than my own because it's the University of Michigan's. What was Grace's? Grace's, we didn't have a fight song. No, we had a, we had a, no, dude, it was like, we had a song that our drumline played after, um, after we scored. We didn't have an actual fight song. Drumlines, Um, fire or not? They're absolutely absolutely our our, so, our drum line. Our drum line was like the five time defending tap state champions. They were oh, fantastic. Your drum line was how about our entire yes. band? We Ooh, had our entire okay. band. Our, our band, band, our back band, to boom. Back to back. our drum line would smoke your band. I guarantee we would be Whatever, smoking man. on that people, legacy pack. People, I guarantee you. People transfer to our school just to be in our band. Did anyone do that for your school? Our drum line had no life outside of that's all of they did from like 7 a.m. until all midnight, right. I'm assuming. They that's didn't even rude. go to class. They just sat there and went <laughs> but anyway, they, they were cold. They were cold. Anyways, we spent like 10 minutes on this. So I'm going to like very calmly guide us back into the subject of Texas private school football over that was that was a fantastic segue. But anyways, so the team that we haven't talked about yet in District 4 is Fort Bend Christian. And I literally have the headline here is that Fort Bend Christian is gathering the infinity stones i just think they are getting i think they are getting that much stronger and i think it's going to turn into something really scary like i think now again making bold statements scares me because that means now that i say it's most likely going to be wrong and it's putting a lot on the line for me i think fort bend has the chance to absolutely tear through this district i think they're going to be far and away the best team in this district. I think Brady Dever is poised to have a, a very, very, very elite season in this district. I mean, that you have you have Max Granville, who's going to be a sophomore after a great freshman campaign that I think is poised to tear it up. You have Brian Domino, who is one of the best receivers in all of taps. I really do think that they are going to have the infinity stones i think they're going to roll through this district 
Um, also, apparently they're lying assault as well. I got a DM or <clears throat> that was horrible. I got a DM or um, or a message from someone that said that most of their offensive line is deadlifting five plates, which is for, <laughs> for high school kids. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. That is a that's a lot. Now, I do want to know if that's conventional deadlift or hex bar deadlift, because hex bar deadlift doesn't count if we're talking about numbers. However, um, and also they're getting they're getting tra- they're getting more transfers in. They they lost um, they lost who they lose. They lost, they lost Jackson Powers. This, uh, by the way, oh, yeah, Jackson Powers transferred to. Uh, Second Baptist. Second Baptist, yeah. They lost powers to Second Baptist, but they gained another DB from Shadow Creek that I didn't get the name of. So, again, um, I know I've been traditionally very high on Fort Bend. I'm not going to say I'm not biased towards them a little bit because I've covered them a lot, and I think they're very fantastic, and I'll recognize my own lenience towards a certain team. But I will ask both of you to check me. I mean, is there any doubt that Fort Bend not only is the best team in this district, but might be head and shoulders the best team in this district? There's no doubt. Okay. Just so making sure I'm not crazy. They're not crazy. I mean, I went and watched them at seven on seven and they they beat some good teams. I remember I wanna say I don't have to find it, but they did pretty good and then uh I'm just one second, I'm just gonna pause. Uh, oh, speaking of uh, uh, Brendan Gardoni, Gardoni, I forgot. I I forgot to mention him a couple times last year. He he is also fantastic. I say that because you said seven on seven, and I just remembered that that stairway to heaven catch that he had that Dave Campbell's posted. That dude is crazy. He was really good, man. A lot of those guys were. Let me get back to my point. Fort Bend. I mean, like we said, the most like just balanced team like for all saints they're they're right there too man i mean bennett you didn't even mention bennett warren might be the best like the best prospect on that entire team at six seven six eight offensive oh, lineman yeah 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 six eight three hundred pounds God. that is a massive human being and that's that that's a guy at 20 he's a 24 so that means he still has oh another gosh. year to go. That's a guy who's going to blow up, I think. I, I have utmost respect. And I, I was thinking about this the other day while I was driving. I don't know why. I was, this is when we go crazy. And I was thinking about private school football while just driving. <laughs> but I really – I think Coach Black – I love Coach Blackman down there. I mm-hmm. think he's a fantastic coach. He reminds me, as an, like as an Aggie, I think he reminds me a lot of Dan Campbell as a coach. I think he's yeah. like a player's first coach, just does it with him. Like, I think you saw the video the other day. Dan Campbell was doing like up, up, downs with his team up there at the Lions. That's absolutely what Jordan Black. I know he lifts with all the guys. Like, I saw him deadlifting. Right. So, like, he's just a player's first coach. And when you have a guy like that with your team who's done it before on the offensive line, who's going to get that offensive line ready to go, right? And you just are he he will get all his guys. He knows how this game works. He knows how to play it. And he's not. I remember one thing he really said in the interview when we did him when I did in the fall or summer last year. He said, "I know my strength, offensive line stuff like that. I got it." But he's got coaches around him that are good at what he they do to get their guys in play. He knows the, the defensive side of the ball is not a specialty. Brings in a good defensive coordinator to get some guys in place. Great OC. He has guys around him that is going to coach this team up. Um, I I mean, 
I don't know how anyone beats this team in the South, man. I really don't. Dude, they're really good. Ryan, um, same question. Yeah, this team's going to be good. If yeah. y'all didn't know. If y'all didn't know, this team's going to be good. Uh, just want to let y'all know. But, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what they do. I, to be fair, I did not know what year Domino was. I thought he was gone. Oh, my gosh. No, feels no. like he's been playing. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how this team keeps playing and how they – show out for uh this year i i think what we'll see it is my prediction early 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 prediction i and i don't think this is a hot take at all but you know how about a fbca or st michael's matchup come you know november december i'd be excited to see that versus uh or let's do that real quick y'all give a final four you want to do a final four do you even have to think about that in the south I don't know. SMCA regions, Portman Christian, Second Baptist. I don't even think there's an argument. Maybe, maybe TMI. Sorry. Oh, wow. sorry, sorry, wow. sorry. Four total. Sorry, my brain's small. Uh, um, oh, that is more difficult. I'll tell you mine. I'll tell you mine right now. There you go. Mine is All Saints, Southwest. Mine is uh, St. Michael's. Mine's Fort Bend. I'd probably have to go with that too is that how that because all saints and southwest are in the same district is that how that works uh, you, i you, mean you, they you, would have to meet up anyways right so how it works out i i if i'm not mistaken you play the other side you you the north all plays the north yeah. versus versus the south all plays the south Okay. Shouldn't the winner of this in the final four wouldn't the just the winner I'm, I'm of pulling like, up, I'm, I'm pulling it yeah up. you're gonna need to pull that up all right, because so you had yeah. In the semifinals, the number one school of the, uh, basically, SES, if they would play, if they were number two, it was hypothetical, right? Hypothetically, they were the second place in Division One. Uh, so the first would be All Saints. They would make it all the way there. Number two in that division would be face the number one of the second district. So they would play faith in the second round. So then if they beat faith, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to guess faith is in this hypothetical. Oh, okay. Okay. okay they they okay. would play, they would play one, one versus one, two in the semifinal. Right. That's how, okay. that's how, that's how I thought it. Was there we go. So, so yes. that allows for both of those to be the case. That allows for a St. Michael's Fort Bend to happen. And that allows for uh, all saints versus Southwest Christian. And Yeah. I, I agree with you there. And I want to mention also besides Bennett Warren, who I think is a monster, they have Aiden Rhodes and Nathan Robinson. I just want to tell you the height weights on this and tell me if you've ever seen this on offensive line in division two, Aiden Rhodes is six, three, two seventy five, And Mark, uh, and Nathan Robinson is six, six, three twenty five. Oh so my like, God. You have two guys in six, six, you have another guy, six, three who like, I mean, I would have to look into the other guys for sure. But you have that on the offensive line that I don't think a Taps D2 scene has even seen in a very long time. No. Ivan, no. Ivan G, uh, JD, his Twitter, uh, is another offensive line that's a 24. And you bring in Connor Tallas from somewhere else who's going to be a six-foot linebacker who, I mean, I forgot his name that he's going to replace the other guy who is, um, what's the guy's name? 
Uh, Grant Harlson or Chandler Bean, who graduated last year, is that Mike linebacker. Yeah. He's going to replace him at that Mike. Um, James Donovan as a just Mister Do It All in the back defensive back. I don't know how you beat this team because their stars are good, their receivers are good, and you have some depth on a couple guys too. Um, Jordan, Coach Black got them guys ready to go, um, and he has a really good team around uh, around his Ivy League recruit. Brady Dever. We're going to figure out very quickly what FBCA is made of because they're going to play weeks two, three, and four. They're going to play DC, St. John's, Trinity Christian Addison. And oh God, they play Civil Steel the week after that. Yeah, we're going to figure out very quickly how legit they are. That I am so, so excited for that DC St. or that DC Fort Bend game. I mean, that's going to tell us. It's going to give us a very good idea of where those two teams are. And we'll talk a lot more about D.C. in our Division Three preview. But, And I will say this just to, you know, kind of venture into the future and look into the crystal ball a little bit. A potential All Saints versus Fort Bend Division Two state championship game, that would be disgusting. That would be insane. That we might- will see, though. I mean, I- there's there's a lot more to be said. I mean, that's, that's wild. I, I don't know. Uh, it that's just nuts, man. That's so crazy to me. And I, I am so excited to watch Max Granville play. I am so, so excited. I think he's about to blow up, man. I think that's a twenty-five defensive end that's just gonna blow up on the scene, man. I was gonna say we said last year how excited we were to see Regions versus DC all the time, right? Well, hiccups happen along the way. Hiccups yeah. happen along the way. So that's true. You know, we don't know who's coming. We don't know who's coming come December. So, or, or yeah, you know, it's that first week of December is always something that everybody strives for. But, you know, at the end of the day, whatever you're ranked today has no, like, you know, no say on what you're going to become December. We, we could be totally wrong. We really could. That's a good point. I mean, you never know how things are going to shake out in the craziness of the playoffs. So it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how Fort Bend navigates the season. Um, something I did want to ask, does Beaumont Kelly have anything left after their coach left and all those players followed them? Do we think they're going to have any, really any manpower come the fall? I mean, Tristan Lewis will be the guy that kind of now takes over. But I, why? Like, okay, okay. Okay. Why? Why did Boy Jenkins have to leave, man? Why? 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 Such a good why? talent for private why? school. Why? I mean, why? why? But at the end of the day, I mean, Beaumont Westbrook is a historic program down there, and I get it. I mean, they're the ones that are out of any of those big power uh, public schools. I mean, Westbrook is the one you probably need to go to. So I get it. It sucks, but I get it. And I wish the best for them, as always, we do for guys who transfer in and out, right? But uh, it is a big loss for private school because, I mean, that 2025 quarterback class would probably have been led by Roy Thomas Jenkins, without a doubt. Yeah. He would have been the real deal. So, um, and they have guys who transferred out with him, like Ty Chambers and uh, Carter Holmes uh, and Jackson Sheldon as well. You lose guys in there, but Tristan Lewis will be the guy um, – uh, it's it's going to be just very hard. Um, I mean, they have some other guys. Uh, Riley Little, Tri Davis, Austin Isabel. But, I mean, uh, it's they're, the, the hopes that they had moving back into this district 
go very bad uh, now with uh, Roy Thomas, the one of the better quarterbacks in Southeast Texas going away. Yeah, it's going to be much more difficult than it would have been, obviously, with that with the coach and with all those transfers. But, I mean, Kelly still has a little bit of talent. It'll be interesting. I mean, I don't know. They're going to be scrapping down there, I think, with the Woodlands and Lutheran South for that 3-4-5 spot, which, again, they'll make the playoffs because the top five make the playoffs. You have to be dead last, dead last to miss. But... It's going to be – it'll be an interesting conundrum for Kelly. Also, the last thing we need to hit on is Lutheran South. They lose one of the best receivers of in all of private school history, I think, in Joel Hutchins. So, Walker, I mean, what do you think is left there talent-wise for Lutheran South, and what do you think – to what degree do you think they can compete in District 4? I mean, they bring back a quarterback, and when you bring back a quarterback, that's always helpful for your team and Rowdy Sowers. Uh, he'll be the guy kind of just bringing back the leadership and experience Uh, guy who's really exciting is uh, Jalen Lowry. Uh, He was a big piece of them last year. Did pretty good when we watched him uh, in seven on seven. So I'm excited for that. And a transfer that's really big for them. Jackson Oliver, the 2023 linebacker from Friendswood. He's going to be a big piece for that defensive side of the ball. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have a weapon like Joel Hutchins. I mean, that was just big. And they also lost Xavier Edwards, the linebacker. Like, so it's, you're losing a couple guys, but um, I mean, we'll see how they do this year. It's going to be a very interesting matchup. Yeah, we'll see. Ryan, your thoughts on, on district four and just kind of the, the rat race it'll turn into behind Fort Bend and second Baptist. Yeah, I mean, we, I think we I think we covered it, but yeah, it's it's. I, I think right now it's just yeah, you got Fort Bend, and I think Fort Bend's going to take over this year. Um, you know, like I said, Skillern and Smith, um, gone there. It's gonna it's tough losses for Second Baptist, and I don't know if I see them um going back to the state this year in my eyes, but who knows? Yeah, crazier things have happened. I mean, just going back to the whole the division as a whole. I mean. It's a deep division. I mean, it, the talent runs deep. Like I said, it is not superficial. You have, obviously, the top of the top is very good. And a lot of those mid-tier teams I can see rising up and beating one of the top-tier teams. I mean, it is – the division is stacked. And I think we're going to see a lot of movement, not a week in and week out. Like, I think our power rankings are going to adjust on a week-by-week basis just because I think everyone's going to be beating everyone, which makes it hard to predict, and I think it's going to make us look foolish from time to time. But it will be interesting. Uh, Walker, Ryan, any final thoughts on Division Two as a whole before we get out of here? We will, we'll power rank these teams in the near future. Yeah, we'll post them on the Twitter and stuff like that like we did last time with Taps Division One, And so you'll see all of that. Wayne may I do even a little, like, Hey, yeah, we'll do a little article on the website that we can kind of explain them a little bit that we didn't do here. So watch that whenever that. I will make out. sure. I will make sure to wait until we get all of the angry feedback from everyone, so I can then use that feedback as satire on the article. I I had so much fun writing. That I had was, so much fun writing that top ten article. Such a good dude. article. Such a good but article. Uh, but yeah, also if you haven't checked that out, go check out our top ten private school rankings of all private schools. We try to do it the. The most fair, because, you know, a lot of guys, they put uh, random D3 schools in there that did good, and it doesn't make sense a lot of times for other things. We didn't really, we tried, we sat down and really tried to discuss it, so we think we're good. Shout out to Texas Football Life, that's my guy. Uh, Appreciate him for reaching out to helping us out with that. 
Um, but that was really cool. I think that was really cool. But um, Wes, I wanted to talk about something I remembered, and we never have discussed it. Do you remember oh, no. at seven on seven, someone said they're having to use the football, that brand new football? Do you remember? This? Oh my gosh, I was talking to one of the kids I train here in town about that. Who's going to be a quarterback? Yeah, dude, dude, go on. No, I want you to discuss it because I don't remember as much as remember you did. Okay, so basically, what's to, the company? To, what's the company called? I I forgot. You can go. I forgot what the brand name is. You can go to Taps and you can see game approved balls. Long story short, Taps um for all of Taps this year, from what we know about what we've been told, they're going to have to use a new type of football. It's not going to be the Wilson GSTs anymore. It's going to be another type of football which quite frankly feels like plastic. I think it's they're just completely switching footballs. Um, I'm not going to speculate a lot into the details and the politics of it, but it is just wild because you're going from the Wilson GST, which is the standard, to this new ball, which feels completely different. And I am very, very curious to see how this affects passing numbers and just overall quarterback and receiver play in taps. So the brand is, I think it's Baden Sports, and the football is called Team Issue. Um, yeah, I... It's going to be a big change. Like, it's going to be – I think these are the approved balls through 2028, which is crazy. Um, dude, it's nuts. Um, it's just crazy because those Wilson GSTs that we used when I played and up until now were were such good footballs. They were so and, good. And these – I'm I'm not going to lie to you. They look like target footballs. I mean, it is – it's not good, man. Uh, Walker, I, I'm so glad you brought this back up. Your your further thoughts on the Baden team issues? It doesn't. It didn't feel like real leather. That's what hurts. I don't know if it is. Like I, I there's something. Maybe it's the center in me. I I love a good just leather football that is like you can break in. You can you get all this because think about it. Also, this those balls like they look like they're gonna be very hard to break in. You you can't break the balls in. And that's huge for quarterbacks, receivers, everyone, centers, and like anyone that uses football is it's so hard. You need to have a ball that is just comfortable for you and your team that you've worked with the entire summer. And these don't seem like it. I know in the rain, because somehow and always in the great state of Texas in the fall and football, you will have rain on Friday nights. Right. Those are going to be very slippery and very hard for a lot of guys to use. And that just it hurts me. And, you know, then you go into the other reasons. Like, okay, how does that affect your football recruiting for guys? How does that affect – if you can't have the stats to put up, how does that – blah, 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 right? And Yeah, it's a, it, it's it, a debacle. It, it's not – I was – it's just – that was not what have been the deal I made. It's the it's official – It's going to be interesting. It's the official ball of the NAIA in the National JUCO Association. Of well, I was looking at Is this. it really? They have yeah. one – the U- University of Utah uses it, and Prosper uses it, and Bishop Dunn has already been using it. Okay, well, I'll take a step back because maybe the ball I felt was different, and maybe it's not. Maybe it's not a big of a deal if I was saying, but the Lord, the one I felt felt bad. I mean, it might not be as big of a deal than if it's already like because I was thinking, yeah, I was under the impression this was like a target football, but. I mean, maybe if 
if it's the actual official ball. I'll talk to Alex and see what he thought. Because he had to kick with those balls, I'm sure. But I, I'm not sure. We'll see. Anyways, uh, it's it's going to be interesting, long story short, how how all these teams adapt to using the new football. That's, that's a huge deal. For sure. Right. But well, that being said, that actually, I mean, providing that there's no more no more additions from either of you, that will conclude our Division Two preview. A very long preview, however, it needed to be, as there are what would you say, twenty four teams in Division Two? It's the biggest, uh, biggest one of all taps. Like we said a billion times before, Division Two is going to be an absolute roller coaster throughout the twenty twenty two football season but it's a roller coaster we are all strapped into and very prepared to ride so with all that being said this has been the division two preview we have been the texas private school podcast and we will see you in the next episode see you later three two one